Spring is in full swing and summer is just around the corner. A great time for a beach getaway at the Oceanfront Boardwalk Plaza Hotel in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Enjoy the best of oceanfront accommodations and amazing dining right on the beach, both with great views of the ocean and boardwalk. Enjoy a soak in the heated indoor spa pool or book the adults-only concierge level and relax in the rooftop hot tubs. Book online at boardwalkplaza.com or call 800-33 beach thanks to the boardwalk plaza for being the bridge podcast network sponsor hey if you've ever wondered why do christians believe in a god they can't see you found the right podcast i'm mark dickey and i'm Bert miller and this is the why do christians podcast Well, welcome to the show. My name's Mark Dickey. I host a daily afternoon show on a Christian radio station in Delaware called The Bridge. My co-host is Burt Miller. I should say Pastor Burt Miller. He's the lead pastor at Solid Ground Church in Lewis, Delaware. Burt, how you doing today? Mark Valvoline Dickey. <laughs> I'm doing so well. So well. So thrilled to be here with you, my friend. That's my new favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I thought of it in the car on the way over here. Did you pass a gas station or something? When you I, I passed that? several. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we love to answer questions that come in. We always, in every episode, give out the email podcast at wearethebridge.org. If you have a question, you know, why do Christians do this? Like, I don't, I don't understand. We'd love to hear it. Email your questions to podcast at wearethebridge.org. So, Bert, today we are talking about why do Christians believe in a God they can't see? Yes, and uh, I I can't help but rem- but think about the 1999 classic, The Mummy. Go on, Brendan Fraser. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Fraser, not Fraser. Fra- Fraser. Fraser. Yeah. Oh, okay. I always want to say Fraser. That's not right. Brendan Fraser. Yeah. Huh. You just rocked my world. Wow. Man, we're not even into the questions yet. (laughs) Go on. Well, I just remember it's a really subtle line, but at at the beginning of the movie, uh, her name is Evie, the the female lead in the movie. Not Brendan Fraser. Not Brendan Fraser. Yes. Uh, She doesn't, she's an archaeologist or whatever, and, Mm -hmm. or whatever. Every archaeologist is going (laughs) to write in now. Um, (laughs) We respect your field. (laughs) Please. But uh, she doesn't believe in mummies. Uh She says, if I can see it and I can touch it, then it's real. Mm. And I'm just reminded of that line when I hear the phrase, you know, why do Christians believe in a God that they can't see? Yeah. Yeah. It kind of feels like, uh, it's interesting, right? It's a very, it's a very specific scope, isn't it? Yeah. You know, like I've heard, I've heard the pushback, you know, it's sort of juvenile to believe in uh, a, a big man in the sky who, you know, exists up there that we can't see it's it's uh immature yeah yeah it's like uh it reminds me of honestly like conversations that i've had or people are like wow it's it's really convenient that you believe in this thing (laughs) that that you can't see it's kind of like the guy who's like yeah i have a girlfriend (laughs) she goes to another school in in canada yeah (laughs) yeah yeah but you know the interesting thing though man um i think maybe just the first way like before we even answer like why do we believe in in said god the first thing to recognize with that kind of attitude is that it's sort of it's it, it's a false belief about what everyone believes. That is to say, okay, that, that Christians believe in this sort of 
invisible entity for whom there's no evidence, but nobody else believes in things that they can't see. Ooh, right. Yeah. So, I mean, think about it, like, like, I mean, you know, there's, there's the old Billy Graham adage where he says, you know, uh, the person says, uh, you know, do you believe in God? Can you say you've seen him? He says, I've never seen the wind. I've seen the effects of the wind, but I've never seen the wind. Christians like to use that as this kind of ha, gotcha. But, but you, that, that, that's a very, very, I'm not quite sure that illustration is apt, but even if, you, if you're just sort of take a viewpoint of, you know, the nature of existence and just you're, you're looking out the cosmos, you're seeing the universe, you, you still believe in things that that you, you can't see. Um, I'm willing to bet. So let's let's say you go full atheist and you say uh, there absolutely is no God. Well, do you, do you have evidence for that? Um, well, yeah, I, I don't see anything. Well, okay, but but you're approaching that with a worldview that demands uh, certain things about. Uh, the, the universe, right? And so mm-hmm. you're taking for granted some some things that maybe not everybody would take for granted. It, it, it's it's just as much a leap of faith to say that there is no God when you know have you have you looked to the sky and seen the empty chair? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, no, you're you're surmising things based on effects in the same way Christians would. And actually, what I'm excited about today is to look at some things in the universe um, that I think clearly point to the existence of God, um, where others might not interpret them that way. So I think it is a lot of interpreted but beyond that you know the, the truth is many people they they believe just what they want to believe evidence or not so i'll give you an example so uh probably the most famous uh astrophysicist in the world right now is, is neil degrasse tyson right i mean like he's he's the guy he's on late night talk shows he's uh writing books he's doing all these things um and do you know that he, he believes in and has advocated several times what's called the simulation hypothesis what yeah right he 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 believes that we are living in the matrix. That essentially, like we're living, like you know, like we're in a computer or aliens, you know, sort of uh, mode of existence where, where nothing's real. And in fact, he he is even quoted as saying, "It's hard to argue that we aren't living in a matrix." In other words, if we're taking all the probabilities of there being a matrix. Well, how do you how do you do that? <laughs> um, but okay, is there any evidence for that? No, but he's believing it. And it's one of these things where when we say, "Okay, listen." We believe in stuff that we don't see. I think everybody does that. Mm-hmm. Like that's not a Christian thing. That's a humanity thing. I mean, my my immediate response to someone believing that is, what are the what are the correlations between what I believe and what he believes? We both obviously see that the place that we're living in and existing in is created because there's so much order. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but then you start to if you if you go with the simulate simulation theory, mm-hmm. if you go with that, then it's like, well, then who created, who created that world that we're, that we're escaping from? Yeah, and it's just a never ending cycle. Absolutely. Well, that's that's, that's <laughs> the problem with what's called pantheism, which is you know multiple gods. If you believe in multiple gods, you still have to take them back to a supreme god who made them, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, you you know, I had a friend who years ago told me that he believed that uh, life on Earth began by a rock crashing into the planet with alien goo on it. Well, okay, but where did the alien goo come from? Like, mm-hmm. there's there's no explanation in that. It's just, it's a, it's a pacifying. Maybe the, the reasoning for that is rejecting religion or what have you, but it it comes down to everybody's making a leap of faith somewhere. Now, now to the question of, okay, well, listen, you know, we can take it from this avenue. Some people might say, "Okay, why do why do you believe in a God? Like, if God really cares about us, if He wants us to know Him and wants us to follow Him, if He wants to sort of be the the King or or what have you of our lives, why is He invisible? 
why doesn't he just sort of sit and you know like you know I think it was Carl Sagan said like why doesn't he just etch a cross in the moon or or uh, you know demand like sort of unveil the clouds and say I am God and why doesn't he come visit every once in a while yeah 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 and I mean the Christian response would be that that he's here like through the person of the Holy Spirit but I, I think when we look at it through those uh, those filters we're not necessarily approaching it. Um, with the right expectations. Here's what I mean. We we think that it's on God to prove His existence, and we don't quite, we don't quite understand the nature of life. We think that God is sort of He's throwing in His bid among other gods, and hoping mm-hmm. that we get it right. And I don't think that's necessarily the God of the Bible. Certainly, He battles with idolatry, uh, but for very different reasons. So here, here's what I'm getting at. So there's this great story in the Book of Acts where the Apostle Paul he goes and he visits this place called Mars Hill. And Mars Hill is basically it's a it's a public square, um, and there place called the Areopagus. And, and what happened is people would get together and they'd they'd have philosophers stand up and they'd, sit, they'd spout out their their latest ideas about life and existence and stuff like that. It's this public venue where people can share beliefs. And so uh, so Paul gets up there and he starts talking with them about listen, they're Romans they're they're believing in all kinds of different uh, gods and and he begins to talk with them about the god that he believes in. And he says this thing in Acts, this is Acts uh, 17, starting verse 24. He says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. Okay, so first of all, with this idea uh, of uh, the actress of the mummy where we, you know, like I don't, uh, if I can't touch it, well, the problem is your scope is too small because if we're saying, like, listen, God is bigger than all of it, how would I expect to be able to touch and confine God to my personal experience here, Right. But he continues, he says, uh, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. For, uh, from one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. And so he's talking about how God has been guiding humanity and guiding history. Like, we exist because there's a God, which is incredible. And then he says this thing right here, and this is where I think uh, perhaps our views maybe need to shift a little bit. This is in verse 27. He says, God did this. Okay, so why did God make us? Why are we here? Like, why is there an earth? Why are people walking on the planet? God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any of us. And that's that's it right there. Okay, like, why did like why is God here? Why why is God not visible? And the answer is because in the grasping we seek relationship. Hmm. In other words, there's just, I would say this may be a divine mystery. There's something about what I can't see where I go after God and there's there's this relational pursuit in a way where if he's spouting off uh, judgments and decrees at me um, and thundering down and what have you, it doesn't produce the heart and obedience uh, and, and, and relationship that he desires. I mean, th- biblically, this is, you see this over and over again, you think about uh, the, the Israelites in the wilderness where when God is on the mountain, doing exactly what many of us would like, you know, or many uh, critics would say he should do, like unveil, do this, don't do that. People's responses are not to run towards him. They quiver in fear and ask Moses to go on their behalf. Hmm. Like unbridled glory of God does not produce heart change. It produces fear because he's big. Hmm. And so there's this sort of patient, let me veil myself so that you can, like what of me you can handle so that you'll come to me. And I think that's probably the, the better viewpoint. That it's not about God proving anything to anyone. It's 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 a measure of grace and patience. And mm-hmm. that, that's, I think, kind of beautiful. 
<laughs> hey, Mark, do you like commercials? I do. Don't we all? Wouldn't it be great if we had a sponsor for this podcast? Mark, nothing would make me happier. Well, you could sponsor this podcast by contacting us at podcast at wearethebridge.org. You could be a hot dog stand. A, a cheese grater company. You could sell furniture. Or Wi-Fi. <laughs> Contact us at podcast at wearethebridge.org. I, I think that's it. I think we got it. But then, you know, if we look at this and we say, okay, well, listen, if he wants relationship, why doesn't he make himself more obvious within what we know, right? And again, it's one of the things where I think that's, that's interpretive framework. Mm-hmm. So I, I love... Um, Paul writes this in Romans one twenty. He says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, listen to this, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. In other words, Paul's saying, listen, there is so much of God's nature and who he is, and you just look at the world, you look at the universe, and and this one of the things I love about getting to this podcast together is we get to ask questions, and yeah. it turns out like, the God who made our brains has made it so that we can see him in creation. And and, and so, you know, that, that statement there of, hey, listen, the glory of God has been revealed in creation. You can know who he is. You can know what he's like. Um, if you just simply look out there, the question, like, you know, sort of comes to mind, well, is that true? Right? And so um, there are some things I think just baseline science, um, I think they point to the existence of a God, I think they're really good evidence for it. Now, look, I'm not a scientist. I'm a minister. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I want to just source where I'm getting this from. There, there's two books uh, that I think are great reads. One's, and they're both by a guy named Lee Strobel. Uh, one's called The Case for a Creator. Uh, the other is called a Case or The Case for Miracles. Uh, the thing I love that Strobel does is he's going around, he's interviewing different scientists. He's interviewing different uh, physicists. He's interviewing like all, all kinds of folks. Um, and, and so that's where I'm getting a lot of this stuff from. So if we were to like, look at the universe and say, all right, is there anything that it tells us about God? I think once you see it, you can't unsee it. So I'll give you an example, all right? Um, what, what's the prevailing belief right now, Christian and non, is that the universe had a beginning, right? Whether, whether you, uh, you know, if you're a, a literal six-day creationist, um, most literal six-day creationists that I know would say, all right, there's a gap between Genesis 1, 1, and 1, 2, where it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And then it says, uh, the earth was formless and void and, and darkness hovered over the, the surface of the deep. And so what most literal, literal six-day creationists are going to say is, all right, um, the creation that it's talking about there is the creation of the earth, but there's a gap of time between the two, right? And this is how you count for uh, the rise and fall of Satan and the angels in heaven, why uh, you have this fallen angel in the garden in Genesis uh, two is it okay? There's a there's a span of time there, hmm. but but beyond that, um, you know, if you if you go to a, a secular viewpoint and, and you say like, no, I I'm not going to be interested in the Bible whatsoever. You're, you're probably going to believe in what's called Big Bang, right? That the universe mm-hmm. uh, in a moment exploded into existence from something about the size of, of a, a person's finger. Um, that it all just went outward, and they've uh, they they've you know, the, the neat part is that they can kind of quantify that. They can see that the universe is expanding. I don't think this contradicts the Bible um, because I, I, I have no problem putting uh, Big Bang within those, those first two verses of Genesis. Um, but again, regardless of if, that, if that's not where you're there, you're still going to say the universe had a beginning. Now, this is important, okay, because we haven't always believed that. You know, uh, Carl Sagan, who I mentioned earlier, he, um, 
he used to say this thing. He would say the cosmos are all that there are and all that there was and all, all that there ever will be. Hmm. And he believed in an eternal universe. Well, we know factually that's inaccurate. Okay, so if the universe had a beginning, you have to take that back to first causes. If it has a beginning, there has to be a beginner. There has to be something that makes it come into existence. Okay, but it's not just that. Like if we're looking at the universe, one of my favorite things to talk about when it comes to the existence of God. So it's called the fine-tuned argument. Have you heard about this? Mm-mm. Fine-tuned argument. Okay. So here's the idea. The idea is that there are specific sets of parameters that through which the universe is governed. In other words, there are specific rules within uh, creation for it to function, and if you mess with any of them, the whole thing falls apart. So um, <laughs> sort of imagine the universe like it's, you know, you, we're, we're in a radio studio right now. Uh, you have tons of experience with sound. You know, soundboard. It's got all these dials on it, right? And mm-hmm. those little knobs. Okay. Now imagine you had one of those. It's like a mile long. Okay. Like with tons and tons of like, like knobs all across it. Right. And if you nudged one of them, the entire thing stopped working. <laughs> okay. That's this idea of the precision of how the universe operates, hmm. and and the evidence for it's really good. So, for instance. Um, let's talk about let's talk about uh, what's called the the ratio of electromagnetic force to gravitational force. In other words, this has to do with things being pulled together or pushed apart. All right, like this is how this functions. Okay, so here's here's the thing to understand. Like this, here, here's how fine tuned that that ratio is. Okay, are you ready for this number, Mark? This is it's fine to one part in ten thousand trillion trillion trillion. Okay, <laughs> now let me, let me just let me let me break down what that. That's a huge number. Okay, like the odds of okay being that specific, all right? So think of it this way. So this, this and again, this is from Stribble's book, uh, but he interviews an astrophysicist named Hugh Ross. He said, all right, listen, if you want to understand that number, imagine covering a billion North American continents with dimes from the ground to the moon. Okay, so a billion of them with dimes, that's going 238,000 miles high, okay? And he goes, now what you do is you choose one dime at random, paint it red, and throw it in the pile. He goes, you know what the odds are that you would find that one dime? One part in 10,000 trillion, trillion, trillion. That's how specific that that ratio is when we, when we come to the universe. It's not, but it's not just that. You can talk about... Um, you talk whoa, about whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, go on, go on. My mouth is agape. <laughs> I had not heard that statistic until... Right this, now? This very moment. Yeah. There are... My eyes are watering. Yes. I'm not crying, but like I know that when my eyes start watering, my my mind is just completely blown and just overwhelmed. Yes. By yeah. It's, it's how it's, small I am. I you ever try to find <laughs> something in your garage? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like all right, it's uh, right. <laughs> we're recording this in July. I know there's a kiddie pool somewhere that we can inflate for my girls. I can't find it, let uh-huh. alone a dime. Uh huh. In a, that a billion United States, yes, or North Americas, you North said? Americas, North Americas, yeah, piled high to the moon, yes. Uh, that one specific, yes, that's that's the the ratio of electromagnetic force to gravitational force. Okay, like so. <laughs> so when we say like, like, listen, we just exist. We just exist. We exist very specifically. I'll give you another example. Okay, so talk about matter. All right. So one of the things that they've talked about is, is you know, and again, if we disagree here about uh, Big Bang or not. Okay, just grain of salt, set it to the side. You can have fun with your your non-Christian friends who believe in it, okay? Um, I think it's good for where we are, but it, but if we disagree, that, that's fine. Um, but they, they say it like this, all right? So the matter needed 
uh, in the explosion of Big Bang. Again, this, to me, this fits with, you know, God saying, let there be light, and there was light. Um, I've, I've just got no problem with that. But again, we could disagree there, all right? Um, but here's the deal, okay? The matter needed to have the universe successfully expand has to be precise, okay? And the reason it has to be precise is this, okay? Too, too dense, and, and matter doesn't go outward. The universe isn't formed. It just it implodes. It collapses back in on itself. But if, we, if it's too thin, what ends up happening is, or not enough, not thin, but not enough, like what happens is um, that it would just keep going in ways that things wouldn't be able to coalesce um, and, and form, hmm. all right? And so here's the deal, okay? Here's where this is crazy, all right? The precise amount, that's what they've calculated, the precise amount of matter needed Listen to this, okay? Um, in the, in order for the universe to exist in the way that it does, it would need to be one part in a trillion, 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 trillion. That's, that's more than what we just talked about, okay? All right, and that's uh, essentially that's a ten with sixty zeros after it. And so here's why this is so big. Just to use the word dime, okay? If there were even a dime's worth of extra matter, the universe that we know would not exist. Okay, so we're talking really specific stuff here. All right, and so what, what happens is this, okay? What happens is people look and they go, oh, it, it's just here. And, yeah, okay, against all odds, we're here. And you have to go, well, hold on. These are very specific things. In the same way, if I were to, you know, um, if, I, if I were to find a house, okay, and I walked inside the house and I saw that, you know, there's furniture inside the house and, and you know, there's drywall up and there's, there's a fish tank and I can see food in the fish tank that somebody's just fed the fish and, and you know, there's plumbing, and there's all this and there's all that. That's more likely of that house coming into existence by itself than the universe. Wow. Okay. Whew. And so, like, and so we, 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 and what happens is people, they interpret these things through different ways. And this is why I think it was actually, um, it was either Richard Dawkins or Christopher Hitchens who they were asked, you know, like which arguments of uh, the existence of God bother you the most. And it was the fine-tuning argument that this isn't a thing of, hey, things just exist. Like, they exist in very specific ways that if you mess with any of them, the whole thing falls apart. Hmm. Now, I mean, it's, you know, you could pull like a, a Lloyd Christmas from Dumb and Dumber and say, well, you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but you're kind of missing it. Okay? And that's that's the universe. Hey, but, hey, well, let, let, let's go smaller scale. Let's talk about the earth. Okay? Like the earth that we live on. All right? So, just something to know about the earth that we live on is that there have to be specific conditions for us to be here, right? So first of all, like sometimes you know it'd be easy to look at like you know sort of the vastness of space, the the big black sky at night with the stars in it, and go, man, like what a waste, you know? The, like we're in this tiny little rock in the middle of all of this. Like doesn't that just kind of seem like so huge? Well, actually, no. It turns out all of that has function. So mm. if if you were here's here's what I mean. Okay, let's say that you wanted to create an Earth. All right, you would need. Uh, first of all, you need the right kind of galaxy for it to exist. And you, there's three kinds of galaxies. There's elliptical, there's spiral, and there's irregular. What you would need for this particular planet to have life on it is you would need a spiral. Um, and you'd need one that only has the right kinds of heavy elements, and has the right radiation levels, all this stuff. Wouldn't you know it, the Earth exists in that kind of uh, <laughs> galaxy. But then let's, let's go on with that. You'd need the right number of stars within that galaxy. And the reason that you need that is because too many stars and planetary orbits will be uh, disturbed. Well, guess what? We have the right amount of stars in our Milky Way galaxy, but then we can continue uh, in terms of, of the planet's positioning in the galaxy, all right? And the reason this is important is because, listen, if the planet is too close to the center of the galaxy, there's too much radiation, there's a black hole, it's bad for life. But too far, and you won't have the right uh, heavy elements, so you're not going to have oxygen, you're not going to have carbon, which you kind of need for life, all right? Um, and, oh, here's the other crazy part. 
it needs to be in a specific place in that galaxy for it to be habitable for life. Okay, so now we're, we're zoning in a little bit more. Then, okay, but then within that, then with that, then that, you need the right kind of solar system. Okay, so let's talk about the right kind of star and all this stuff, okay? So in order for there to be life, you need what's called a star. Um, the type of star you would need is called a class G uh, star, a sun, which is ours. We have a class G, okay? And you need it to be at a specific point in its age, which wouldn't you know it, ours just happens to be. And then you would need that planet to be a specific distance from the sun because if it's too close, everything on the planet burns up. Too far, everything freezes. But then, Mark, we're still not done because within that specific solar system, you need other kinds of planets so that what they can do is they can protect the planet where you want life to be from oncoming threats throughout the universe. So, for instance, you'd need a big planet. Let's just call it, I don't know, Jupiter. <laughs> All right. Um, you would need it to be functioning like a vacuum, pulling away potential catastrophic meteors. All right. I said, so look, that like, and wouldn't you know it, the Earth just happens to fit within all of those things. But then we're still not done. We're still not done, man. Okay. Here's why this is so big. Let, let's take the planet itself. All right. Um, you'd need it to have a specific kind of moon, a large one, which, by the way, we have, and it's rare to have just one large moon, by the way, but but we've got the right size moon, and what it does is it stabilizes our planet's tilt. It messes um, with uh, the seasons, the tides, the whole thing there, and it, it's going to make it so that the tectonic plates are uh, in the right place to be able to prevent a, like a water world and also to generate the right kind of magnetic field. Oh, also, you need a specific kind of atmosphere, uh, if it's too thick, it traps in methane, which kills. Uh, and if it's thinner, water escapes. And wouldn't you know it, in all <laughs> of these factors, the Earth stands alone. Okay, now here's here's why this is so crucial, okay? That's why this is so crucial. Because when we're talking about things, we say, how can you believe in a God that you can't see? I look at that and I go, I can't not see him. Hmm. You see? Like... um. Again, this is in Strobel's book. He interviews a guy named uh, Michael Strauss, who's a, a physics professor at the University of Oklahoma. And, he, and what he said was this, and this blew my mind. He said there are 332 characteristics needed for life. Okay, like in order for life to exist on a planet, 332 characteristics for life. And can, can I just read you th this thing that he said? All 332? No, not all. No, just like, oh, oh. like he, he said that in the background. He said this. He said, if you run po probability calculations and find that there's a 10 in 304 chance you're going to find another planet that's truly like Earth. And he goes on, he says, one estimate is that there could be more than a billion trillion planets, by the way. So a billion trillion planets that could be out there. He goes, so let's factor that number into our probability equation. That still means that the odds of having any higher life supporting planet would be, okay, so if we're saying, what are the odds of a planet like ours existing? Are you ready for the number, Mark? Mm. Okay, remember, our number before of a billion continents with the dimes stacked to the moon was one part in 10,000 trillion, trillion, trillion. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here's the number for those things to coalesce in the way that they have for the earth to be here. You ready? Just take a breath. Okay. <sighs> one in a million, trillion, 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 trillion. Trillion, 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 trillion. I think I think a CD player's skipping somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Right, dude, isn't that crazy? <laughs> and here I am, worried about how I'm going to use my vacation days this year. 
but no, this is going on. No, but that, but like that, no, but that's the thing though. But that, that, that's the level of care needed for us to be here is astounding. And that's, that's, that's okay. So we, we look, we look at, okay, the way the universe functions. We look at our galaxy. We look at the earth. And man, I'll tell you what else, something we should look at. We're saying, why do we believe in a God that we can't see? Let's look at us for a second here. Let's look at what happens in our hearts and our minds. All right. There's this thing. Um, I mean, we've talked about C.S. Lewis every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, the, there's a thing that I, says I've been thinking about him as yeah. you've been talking about this because the first Narnia book, mm-hmm. the uh, magician's nephew. There's this really beautiful account of Aslan, who is God in the series, right. of him creating the world, mm-hmm. and it is just it's a treat. If you want to treat, oh, yourself, I love it. Where he's like skipping around, and things are springing up. Yeah, yeah. there's just this like light in the void, and it's yeah. just really cool. If yeah. you're looking for something fun to do, yeah. and you're like thinking about the universe, read that. Yeah, well, but the thing that made Lewis become a Christian because he wasn't he was an atheist before. I right? did not know that. Oh yeah, um, the thing that he couldn't get past it began to haunt him at night. You know, so you got his friends, most notably uh, famous author uh, Tolkien, was one of the people instrumental in his coming to faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, was he couldn't answer what he called the the problem of should. In other words. Um, he couldn't explain why people believe that there is a should. Okay, so that, that is said, like people might disagree about what the should should be, but everybody's <laughs> got one, right? So, you like, know, like I should do this. Yeah, you should do this. You should do that. Okay. okay. Um, and so he said this this thing that like you know, it made him just sort of go. There has to be a higher standard uh, than than me if I'm appealing to it constantly, even though I don't know what it is, right? So somebody, hmm. you know, if we could. Put contemporary language. Somebody cuts me off in traffic. I say you shouldn't have done that. If I'm being gracious, right? Um, where did I get that should from? Now, now cultures disagree about what the shoulds are, but everybody's got this thing that they're appealing to. Life should be this way. It should be that way. And it's almost as though there's something just stamped on us as human beings because we've never known utopia. We've never known life without frustrations or difficulties. So what are we appealing to exactly? But we mm-hmm. all do it. It's as though there's this thing that's stamped on us as human beings, just in terms of how we exist, where we appeal to something greater than ourselves. And there's no way to account for that unless there's a higher law that we've been programmed for. Hmm. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. if it's just something that we invented, it makes no sense that we would hold it with the authority that we do. But we do. All of us do it. And so here, here's why I bring all this stuff up. Okay, so we've, we've said, okay, listen, why do Christians believe in a, a God they can't see? And what I, I keep saying is, um, I think God is very visible in mm. creation, um, and so we, you know, we looked at Romans where Paul said that uh, God's qualities are present within creation. He's revealed who He is within what we can see. All right. So if we were just to review what we, what I've, you know, I've been kind of monologuing about for the last I don't know how long it's been. <laughs> um, let, me, let me just give you really, really quick five things that I think we see about God based on that stuff. Ready? And you tell me if this sounds like the God of the Bible or not. Number one, that it's unreasonable to believe that the universe exists by chance. It must have a creator who's eternal. If everything has to have a beginning, no matter how far you take it back, there has to be something like you can't get away from a, like, you know, if there's movement, you have to cut back to the first mover who is not moved. Like it always goes back to that. All right. Second thing, this creator would have to possess uh, power and knowledge that we can't fathom in order to have like that kind of specific knowledge and to design things 
that are able to exist in the way that they are. I mean, like you keep coming back to you and talking about, I can't put my head around that number. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And amen. This, this, this creator would have to be in addition to eternal would have to be, I dare say omnipotent, meaning without limit in power and uh, omniscient, meaning without limit in knowledge. I mean, you just would have to be. Okay. Well, that's starting to sound a little bit familiar. <laughs> we could continue. This creator would have to be, and here's a big one, Mark, would have to be immaterial or spirit since they existed before the physical world. Huh. Okay. Right? I mean, if, if matter is a created thing, this creator would have to be bigger than that. Hmm. And so it would be wrong. Well, if I can't touch God, that means God doesn't exist. What you're basically saying is if I can't see the artist in the painting and I'm living in the painting, the painting must not exist. Ooh. Right? Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this creator would have to be spirit. All right. Four, given just, let's just chew, okay? Given the meticulous details needed to create and maintain life, it's highly likely this creator cares about us. Huh. I mean, really, this, this can't be a thing of deism where God on aloof just created things to see if he could and then left it. No, there's so much involved in the maintenance of the earth our lives, where we exist in the sum of the universe, it doesn't make sense to say that God wouldn't care. He would absolutely have to. He'd have to care about us because of how much goes into us being here. He would, I dare say, have to love us, <laughs> which sounds like the God of the Bible. And then here's the last part. Okay, if there's this moral law that's stamped on us, this this should it's fair to say this creator might expect something of us. Hmm. In other words, he cares about how we live our lives and what happens in them. That he would be just. And I would say that sounds a lot like the God of the Bible. Hmm. And so when we have this thing and we say, all right, you know what? There's no evidence for the existence of God. You know what I always want to ask? Like, you know, I was talking with a uh, guy who's an atheist a couple weeks ago and he said, um, he said, I know there's no God, but even if there was, I wouldn't follow him. And that's an interesting thing, isn't it? And as we sort of peel it back, well, he's angry with how some things have happened in his life in the world. And so, well, I would just want to ask my atheist or agnostic friend, as they're saying, you know, there's no evidence for the existence of God. I would just want to ask, is there any part of you that wants there to not be a God? Hmm. Hey, is there any part of you that's angry? Um, those are things that we can talk through. Those are things that that uh, I, you know, the God I I believe in, uh, who's good. I think He can heal. I think He can meet you where you are. But let's just really quick, as we approach this conversation, let's just go. Hey, you know what? Maybe there's more to my answer on this than there's no evidence. No, mm -hmm. I think the evidence is really good. It's what's behind it with you not wanting to receive it. That would be what I would be curious to know. That probably needs to be an episode all on its own. Atheism? Or even just the concept that what we believe about God is greatly shaped by our own experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Good and bad. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I've, I've always heard it in the terms of, you know, if, if God is our heavenly father, then our experiences with our earthly father or or any any leader in our lives and how they've 
succeeded or failed or the way that they taught us or led us, they, they lead us into believing what we believe. And yeah. if that was yeah. a bad experience, then I definitely don't want something that I can't see running my life. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because it reminds me of the person that I could see. Yeah. Or, or the thing that I went through. Hey, how many people, hey, you know, and I'm, and I'm not judging, I'm just saying, how many people, they were taught a view of God that it's, it's not the Bible, it was just simple, and, and, and they're not even quite sure where they picked it up, you know, maybe Sunday school or whatever, and, and they were taught that God would always take care of them, and, would, and what they, how they interpreted that was that nothing bad would ever happen. Mm. And then something bad really, like, really, really did happen. And they felt betrayed by God, and they felt let down. And here's this faith that I had, and it doesn't hold, you know, salt to the experience that I've had. God can't be good then, because I had this happen. God can't be who I thought that He was because I had that that happen. Um, and that that's a whole other episode in terms of why could God allow evil and suffering if if He's good and all powerful? For sure, that's that's a that's a whole other uh, question. But is it possible that you know our own hurts could influence whether or not there is a God or whether or not we want there to be a God? Well, thank you for going on this journey with us today. It really is important to never stop asking questions. Yeah. Sometimes they're really simple, fun questions, and other times they're hard, like this one. They need discernment. And if you have a question for us, maybe maybe we've raised more questions than we've answered today. Remember to send your questions uh, to the email. It's podcast at wearethebridge.org. And that being said, we're excited to hear your questions, but that can't replace being a part of the local church body. Yeah. If you do enjoy the show, help us get the word out by leaving a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Again, thanks for listening. There was one thing that you said that um, we we created the sun classification system. Mm. Why on earth is our sun class G? <laughs> <laughs> there are just other suns they really like more. <laughs> Where it's like, have you seen that sun on Triton 3? <laughs> <laughs> We've got a class A sun. You know why it's class A? Because... It's ours. It, it, it gave us the ability to classify sons. No, no, no. Class G. It's worse than F. F is the worst letter grade you can get. Yeah, we got a class G, <laughs> which I would then, as a, a father who can make dad jokes, well, that's that's the class God son. <laughs> because God put it there. It's a G. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the original. The, the OG. OG. <laughs> the OG G.